Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 114th episode of the You Thought Sport podcast. I'm here with the usual crew, uh, Wyatt, Jared, Bart, and Lucas. Uh, we got plenty to talk about today, plenty of NFL news. Uh, but as usual, we're going to start out with the news that we missed. We're going to go into this a little bit, but it was a wild weekend of NFL games, potentially the wildest weekends that I have lived through. Um Pretty much all the games ended in walk-off fashion, and the weekend was capped by that instant classic, Bills Chiefs, potentially one of the best games ever. Yeah, I, you said pretty much every game ended yeah, in walk-off fashion. <laughs> every game ended in walk-off fashion. <laughs> also, I have a habit of like not, of, you know, always using like qualifiers and not going, <laughs> and there was no need for one there. <laughs> no, but to mention the Bills Chiefs game briefly, I was giddy watching that game. I think at one point when um, when Mahomes hit the pass to Kelsey to put them in field goal range, I audibly like just like laughed out loud because I'm like, this is like this is the craziest thing I've ever watched. I'm never going to experience anything like this again. So I think I'm, I texted the the group like this is the most excited I've been for an NFL game that the Eagles weren't playing in maybe ever, and it just, like, surpassed even my wildest expectations. Yeah, which is great. it did, actually. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you could ask for a better performance from two quarterbacks. You know, that like, there, there, I don't think there have ever been two quarterbacks as good as Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen on the same field. You know, that absolutely is nothing. You couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, Brady and Manning played each other several times, so I don't know if I'd go that far, but... I would go, I would go that. <laughs> I might okay. sign. I, I might sign with Bart on this one for the time being, but get back, man. I don't know when I'm forty or something. Exactly. When they're fifty and they're still playing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When Peyton Manning when, comes out when Brady's seventy and still yeah. still playing. <laughs> no, Jared, they're going to be forty when we're forty. They're our age. And yeah, they're actually, getting oh, wow. older. That's, yeah. that's actually kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, I think they're both like two years older than we are, but still. Yeah, still. <laughs> but but yeah, no, it really was a game where the team who had the ball last was going to win, and due to the overtime rules, that was pretty much forced. There was no mm-hmm. chance for the Bills to respond, so that seems pretty Bills for them to have to lose in that fashion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been said before, the overtime rules are awful. It's the worst overtime in all of sports. I know. it's This really does feel like a game that could be a catalyst for change. We will see. It could I, be. We'll see. I, just don't, I just don't agree with mm-hmm. that at all. Because in 2019, the Chiefs filed to have the overtime rules changed, and the Bills voted no. No other team <coughs> voted to have the rules changed whatsoever. So you can't even really <laughs> complain about that. And I also think that overtime should be quick, because when you look at the 17 overtime Penn State game, I don't think that that was very good for the sport. <laughs> I just feel like that that's yeah. not something that I want to see. And in a game like this, where it was a classic, you would love to see another hour's worth of that football. But there is a whole hour worth of football that leads up to the overtime. And Jared can attest to this. I was watching the game. I was very upset with how poorly the corners were playing in that entire game. <laughs> like, every time you step on the field, it's best 11 versus the other team's best 11. And I don't think that Josh Allen lost because of a coin flip. He lost because the Bills' best 11 on defense was not good enough, especially considering they had a linebacker guarding Kelsey in the red zone to end the game. So it just feels – I get that we would want to see more of it, but there is going to be an instance where we change the overtime rules, and it's Jacksonville Jets 
in an 11 overtime game or whatever it might be like <laughs> who cares they're they're gonna be yeah, yeah. playing no one will be watching and that's fine i just think yeah, it's, I, overtime I just, should I, be quick overtime should be quick i mean the, but but then do college rules like yeah. old college rules not new college rules new or college rules are they made it worse but yeah Jared. or do it if the defense gets a stop you win as well if you want it to be quick yeah, <laughs> I think the, the NFL usually does, I think, a good job of keep, keeping the league fair and entertaining. I mean, like they did the after the Rams Saints uh, blatant PI that was missed next year, mm-hmm. they put in the PI rule. It's already gone. You know, like they're they're willing to tinker with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Bart, correct me if I'm wrong. But after the Minnesota Vikings Saints playoff game where the Saints just got one possession, kicked a field goal. They changed the overtime rules after that, where a field goal doesn't end it anymore. So they're willing to tinker. That that was the year, right, Bart? Yep. Yep. Oh nine. Yeah. yeah. Seared yeah. into his memory. No, there's definitely a history of the NFL. Like it takes a dramatic moment in the playoffs that people are kind of mad about for yeah. it to change. Um, yeah. And I feel like this provides that. But we'll I mean, see. they were literally considering like the the what fourth and like you get like one try from the fourth and like a 15 yeah. yard. Uh, play to get the onside kick or whatever to get the ball back after a touchdown they're willing to tinker so i I don't think it's really that far-fetched i think it's fine i think the rules are fine (laughs) i I just like fundamentally disagree that there's not like an equal balance and you can make the argument and you were making the argument it's like well the bills should have just played better defense their corners were playing terribly well the chiefs corners and defense also played terribly and just like the only reason why they weren't punched for that is because they lost they won the coin toss exactly so i think it's just not like but I don't, like, I don't know. We're just so drunk on the idea of how great quarterbacks and offenses are to the point where it's like we're just completely disregarding how good a defense could actually make an impact on your team. Like, there's just defenses play a part. Defenses win championships. It's not like that was made up. I didn't just make that up. Like, yeah, it's but, a part yeah, of. But ultimately, in overtime. Yeah, ultimately in overtime. The the stat that's like the. Team that wins the coin flip is like ten and one since yeah. the rule changes pretty... in the playoffs. But overall right. time, the team well, that yeah, gets the, the ball first are... is fifty three percent to win. It's not a guarantee. I would rather it be more fair in the playoffs. And if Pat, and but if versa. and if Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, we would not be talking about this whatsoever. I don't think this that's... wouldn't matter. But ultimately, like if a game is tied, the team that has to win has to do so via the offense. So the off, like having an offensive possession is inherently more important in overtime because the game is tied like mm-hmm. over the course of a whole game or season a defense i think is more important to winning a championship but if you're going into a game where the person has to score a single time to win i think inherently offense becomes the more important face of, yeah of when the a team game. scores you, more points they win the game i think that's pretty yeah. clear. just but a defense stops the other team from, from point scoring there were just there is four quarters worth of football where the bills could have stopped the chiefs at any point <laughs> There were four quarters worth of football where the Chiefs could have stopped the Bills at any point, and they didn't. Yeah, the point yeah, was so, that they were tied so, at the end. Like, yeah, they played but, equally up to that point. But like, Josh why? Allen didn't lose because of a coin flip. <laughs> yes, he did. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He lost because his team couldn't stop them for the last, like, hour and a half or more. Whatever. But the, the, bad, the thing about this is that if – the exact opposite thing had happened. We'd be saying the exact opposite thing. And it's like, then it comes not at all down to the way the team's played. It came literally just down to a coin flip. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Wyatt, it's called an entertainment product. We want more <laughs> entertainment. Also, it, it, it's also supposed to be inherently fair. 
Like, and yeah, this is no. inherently unfair. No, life's not See, it's neither fair nor entertaining, so the NFL will make a change. Well, no, life's not fair, but sports are supposed to be, in theory, at least. It's fair. The defense has a chance to stop him, too. But, okay, so then they should win. Let's just do trick plays. Happening. Let's just do trick plays. Oh, my God. And see who's is cooler. <laughs> and take the defense off the field. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the This will be this point of contentious debate you know, throughout the offseason. <laughs> if if they scored if like a if a penalty happens and it was so cool, it should negate the penalty. I think cool factor needs to play a part. Okay, why well, let me present No one is saying anything about coolness. We're just no, no. saying. <laughs> also, why can I present you with the scenario? The Chiefs run back that kickoff for a touchdown. Is that like the same to you because then it's not the Bills' defense; it's the Bills' special teams. The right, Bills which is a phase back. of the game. There's three phases of football. Yes, I am aware. Uh huh. But it's not thirty-three so, percent each, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, still, everybody <laughs> has to play their part. Like, granted, because special teams does not play on the field as much as everybody else does. If a team returns back the ball, I like the like the Packers. We'll probably talk about this later. The Packers' special teams lost them the game. For oh, the most yeah, part, absolutely. right? Yeah. So it's just, which, by the way, no, we're, we're gonna get too, we're gonna get too far ahead. I don't want to get too yeah, far. Ahead. Let's yeah, get through yeah, the rest of the news we missed, and then we'll. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go. uh, Anyways, go ahead, Aiden. Take to it be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. I'm sure there will be an overtime debate given that conversation. Um, but uh, moving into teams that lost. Um, I guess even earlier than the playoffs. We have Sean Payton. There were rumors like late during the week that he ditched the Saints for TV, and they turned out to be true. Today he announced that Tuesday, <clears throat> um, and apparently I don't think he signed a TV deal yet, but he has officially stepped down as coach of the Saints. So yeah. that's a one of the more um, probably intriguing job opportunities for. The, the better candidates out there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're getting too uh, far ahead. It is interesting, though. It's kind of It feels kind of random that he dropped down. I have a random take. Let's get it be way out there. Drew Brees and Sean Payton in the booth together. Just tossing it out Ooh. there. Oh, Colin Notre Dame games. Oh, now, yeah. absolutely, there's a chance that that might happen. That'd be fun. Yeah. Also, That's I've heard some people like criticizing... Like, Drew Brees is an announcer. Like, there have been articles and stuff about that. I don't think he's that bad. Yeah, I think he's, I don't know. No, yeah, yeah, I've never had a problem with him. I just think they yeah. expected Tony Romo or whatever. But Tony Romo is not a good announcer. That's my take. <laughs> I'm really? not saying that, but people, oh, well, everybody loves him. And I think that they want the same thing. That's why, they, like that's why he got a job in the first place, right? Yeah. Well... Rank the announcers one of these episodes. Uh-huh. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> a lot of a lot of future should. stuff to stay tuned for. Just the news we missed. Um, we also, we have Tom Brady hasn't decided whether he'll be remaining next year uh, with the Bucks or returning at all. Uh, Bruce Arians said he'd be comfortable with Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask if need be. Yeah, Kyle yeah, Trask. yeah. The the same Kyle, thing as Tom Brady. Up to the Kyle Trask, Trask will be a star. <laughs> Just Jared's like Ian Bush. Really Jared's really going all in on the... <laughs> Jared's takes about quarterbacks are like six years in the future. <laughs> oh, yeah, but when it's Just 2029 and we have a Kyle Trask, Ian Book, Ian NFC Book, Championship exactly. game. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 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 NFC Championship game. Anyway. Just you wait. 
But yeah, that'll be something to watch. Uh, and finally, we're going to talk about, you guessed it, baseball. Big Hall of Fame news today. David Ortiz made it. He's the only one elected this year into the Hall of Fame. I think he got like 77% of the vote. Um, and the other big news was that Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds both did not make it in their final year of eligibility. Um, so kind of controversial. David Ortiz also had some PED um controversies but around him i did look into that i was looking it up because yeah. it's still basically inconclusive yeah. yep. essentially is what happened he could have taken another a non-banned supplement that would have t- turned up as positive apparently they there was like disputes about how the lab was even measuring what a positive test was mm-hmm. and stuff like that and basically he's pretty much exonerated the the, yeah. the results are like frozen or something in like legal something Maybe you'll maybe you'll crack the case, Lucas. But maybe I don't even care if it's true. He's fine. Yeah. I've cracked the case, and it's just that the MLB loves the Red Sox. So like, <laughs> oh Martins. my gosh! Yeah, I, I definitely would like to discuss at some point. I think it's very interesting how like the blatant steroid guys, like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, were definitely excluded. But a lot of the ones who've been kind of insinuated in it, like David Ortiz or like Mike Piazza, a couple years ago, um, oh. have been let in. So. I don't know, there's only you gotta let in somebody, I guess, from the. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, finally, um, 15 minutes in or so, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna move on to our actual topics for the day. And um, we're gonna start out from another big story from playoff weekend. Um, we had Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lost uh, on a, a game-winning kick from Robbie Gold against the 49ers. You know, we've we've talked in the past. We love to blame Mike McCarthy for Packers' lack of success in the playoffs besides that one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers um, because it's super fun to blame Mike McCarthy. But Aaron Rodgers has just generally been kind of mad in the playoffs, hasn't really, you know, taken off given, you know, how much talent he has. So, Lucas, how much blame should Aaron Rodgers get for his lack of postseason success? I'm going to give kind of a boring and waffly answer and say some. Um, before we start anything else, I think it's like important to note that Rodgers is unequivocally one of the best regular season. Oh. Three, three MVPs, four on the way. Um, I tried to make a, him not getting vaccinated joke out of that, but it won't stick. So just imagine it in your head of whatever. You're going to take a jab at him? Yeah, there were enough good ones this weekend. I could have just stolen one, but I'm like, whatever. But anyway, but like another great regular season quarterback, Peyton Manning, I think his legacy has been marred a little bit by a lack of playoff success for which he bears some of the blame. Uh, since winning the Super Bowl in 2011, he's only 7-9 in the playoffs, which isn't bad, but it's also not great. And I think in some of those cases, he deserves the blame, and in some of them, he doesn't. So, for example, in those playoff games, the 16 he played before the most recent one, his team gave up 31 points or more 37.5% of the time. And so you can't blame him for defensive collapses like that necessarily. In comparison, in Tom Brady's um, playoff games in the same span, his teams only gave up 31 points 11.1% of the time. So like okay. somebody like Brady's defenses have played a lot better than Rodgers' defenses. So that's maybe an excuse for him. But that being said... There are a lot of games where the losses can, at least some part, be attributed to Rodgers. Just running through all the playoffs that he's been in since the Super Bowl. In 2011, 
He was wildly inefficient in their first round exit to Wyatt's Giants, going 26 for 46 with a pick, no touchdowns, and lost by 17. In 2012-2013, you could just say he got outplayed by the 49ers because his numbers were decent but unremarkable. And I think that's how I describe a lot of his playoff stats. They're decent but unremarkable. Um, in 2014, they lost to the Seahawks and that big collapse. And I think Rodgers bears a lot of the blame. Um, he was wildly inefficient in that game as well, going 19 for 34 with two picks and couldn't ice the game when it came down to it. Um, and the Seahawks ended up coming back and winning. 2015-16 saw losses that you could probably pin more on the defense than anything else, so maybe we don't give them blame there. But in 2019, um, it's sort of a mixed bag when they play the 49ers. He threw for 500 yards, but he also threw for two picks, but the defense capitulated. So again, sort of a mixed bag. And in 2020-2021, we see similar to 2012 and 2013, where he's just like fine in the playoffs. But I think what it comes down to is that Lauder just plays well, but not great in most playoff games. He's rarely objectively awful, but he's also rarely breathtakingly good in the playoffs as well. In that sense, I think he should shoulder some of the blame. Guys like Brady and Mahomes can kind of put the team on their shoulders in the playoffs and win, and Rodgers, bar the Super Bowl run, has never really done that. So for that reason, I think he bears at least some of the blame for their capitulation in the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I remember one thing that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth last postseason was he had a chance to win the game. It was a third down, and he had some open field, and he didn't run to get some yards and maybe a touchdown. And after the game, he, he like, slyly, like, backhanded in a way, blamed LaFleur by saying, I thought I was going to get another shot at the end zone. And I was like, it's just that kind of stuff, too, that that kind of plays into the narrative that, like, Rodgers is good when things are going his way, but then he kind of quits when they're not. You know what I mean? And that that kind of stuff kind of bugs me about him. But... I can't believe as a Vikes fan I'm going to do this, but I actually would like to come to his defense. I uh, Quarterback wins is just such a bad stat, and I don't think that – like I just don't think that we can evaluate him for his playoff success or lack thereof that much. Uh, I saw a tweet that was talking about – you know I love PFF grades. If you chart PFF grade against EPA per play, compare him to Brady – Brady has had a below-average grade and below-average EPA. 11 games of his 37. Rodgers has never done that. Rodgers' like, interception rate is lower than Brady's and Manning's in the playoffs. His touchdown-interception ratio is better. His quarterback rating is better. And then the whole thing that you were talking about is defenses. Like, there is the game, Rodgers' first playoff start, where they lost to the Cardinals in OT because his defense gave up 54 points. If Rodgers had been the quarterback of Brady in his first playoff run when they gave up, like, what was it? They gave up... 17, 17, and 13 points. Rodgers would have won the Super Bowl that year, too. If Rodgers had been the quarterback when the <laughs> Pats won 13-3 to against the Rams, they would have won, too. So I think, like, it, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's actually fair to say that Rodgers has not been that good of a quarterback. He actually seems like he's been really solid. Just looking at some of those, like, higher-level stats, I understand your, your takes are a little more nuanced, Lucas. I didn't look into individual box scores too much. But I feel like on the whole, it's actually more on his defense than the rest of his teams. And if, if we evaluated him more on regular season stats as well. Like, I just think the, the, yeah, playoffs are a little bit too small of a sample size and a little too fine-grained. I think it's it's not qu- quite fair to say that he's not not been up there in those games because it's just like, I don't know. But it's, but it's all that almost. matters. <clears throat> but it's all that matters. But it's not, when you can, but when But when we talk about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the same sentence, <laughs> it's all that matters. Okay, because it's I, what I, matters when you are, when all other things being equal, sure. 
but like I don't think that his legacy per se should be knocked for that alone. Well, he's definitely. I mean, they, like before is he in the same conversation coming Brady, into this. You know? No, but coming into this year, the growing belief was that his face is halfway chiseled into the NFL quarterback Mount Rushmore type deal. <laughs> and if he had he had won a Super Bowl or won an MVP this year, he'd won an MVP last year, back to back MVPs. And if he had won a Super Bowl this year, they would have chiseled the rest of his face in NFL quarterback Mount Rushmore, and he would have been one of the four best quarterbacks without a doubt to ever play the game. He would have jumped above uh, Peyton Manning for sure. And he probably would have had a chance the next year to go ahead, Joe Montana. So it, it, it may not be the whole picture from a box score perspective, but it's all that matters. And Aaron Rodgers clearly has not lived up to that expectation. Okay. So I guess my thesis is that our whole perception of quarterback legacies is too strongly intertwined with how good their teams were. <laughs> Because I don't think that's quite fair. But I suppose that is a different question. And so if Aaron Rodgers goes to New... He, he gets drafted in, in New England, and he has Bill Belichick for the entirety of his... most of his career, he still doesn't win six championships. He may win more than one, but he's not winning six. You and that would give that. him... I don't know if I necessarily... Yeah, why, why I don't you? I would, because Josh <laughs> Allen does not lose that game that the Packers played on Saturday. Patrick Mahomes does not lose that game. It was game a snow Packers... game. Brady no, would have lost they, it, right? Brady does not lose that game that the Packers... <sighs> Josh Allen is sick to his stomach this morning watching how well the defense played, only allowing the other team put up 13 points. And I know that the 49ers are a fundamentally different team than the Kansas City Chiefs, but all he had to do was score two passing touchdowns throughout the entirety of that game. Josh Allen can do it. Patrick Mahomes can do it. Tom Brady would have done it. And I'm sure as how a lot of other quarterbacks could have done it too, at least the Hall of Famers that we're talking about. Did Josh Allen do it when it was two degrees against the Patriots? Thank you. Fundamentally different. <laughs> I'm going to go look up quarterback <laughs> okay. stats in snow games. Yeah. <laughs> and we can yeah. talk about how bad they I mean, are in general. But we talked about like snow coming into this. We're like, it'll give the Packers a massive yeah, advantage because there are no other cold weather teams. And he played not well in the snow. He didn't play bad, but like this is the thing with Rodgers that he never. Kid. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm just he, he was playing a whole team from California, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that should outweigh it. I mean, the thing with him is that, like, no, Bart, I don't think he's ever had been like bad in the playoffs. He just like isn't. He doesn't will his teams to victory in the way I think that he's capable of possibly. And I know, I know that defense plays a role and all of that, but it's just like this game, this past weekend, feels like something he if he had like played a little better could have been you know a win and it just seems like if you look at the totality of his playoff experiences like again some of it is on him but some of it's i mean some of it is not on him but some of it is like i think that the 2014 seahawks loss is like especially like sort of illustrative like what was it they had the ball with they were up 12 with four minutes left or something like that. Yeah, something crazy. And he immediately just, like, gave the ball back away. And then the Seahawks scored, and then they recovered the outside kick. And it's just like... Oh, but, know. like, dude, it's like individual plays are so... Think about that. I know. I was reminded of this play. You remember the Chiefs-Patriots AFC Championship. The only reason Brady got a title that year is because he threw an interception in the waning seconds, but D mm-hmm. Ford was offsides. Yeah. He got another shot at it. It went to yeah. overtime, and the Pats won. Like one little thing like that. Like if he didn't have, if he actually had an yeah. interception, their Brady's legacy would be different. So it's like sure. I just how different. But but different. it's also yeah, it's comparing okay. uh, what seven Super Bowls to one. So okay, now it's six appearances. To one. 
Put Rodgers on a team that can win a game 13-3. to three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the Packers have done that. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, <laughs> they did do it. They did it against the Chiefs. Yeah, I did right. just look though, Lucas. Like that's ten is easily the fewest he scored in a playoff game in his career. So this game, I do think, is more of an indictment against him yeah, than other true. ones. But it still feels like not that big of a deal to me. <clears throat> I, don't know. I just get this growing at this attitude from Aaron Rodgers that is not his problem. That everything, like Jared said, where he kind of took a jab at, at Matt Lafleur, where it's like. I thought I would have got another shot at the end zone. Like when I just when you just when it comes down to games like this, when you watch like like just to compare it to the game that we saw on Sunday, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. The reason why I say that they don't lose that game is because you can feel the energy and you can feel the desire to win. And when you watch Aaron Rodgers play, I just get the impression that it's not his problem. That if he loses, whatever. If he loses, he can point <laughs> to one team team doing this. He can point to something doing that. He can point to Matt Lafleur. And to your credit, Aiden, this is what I wanted to give you in the intro. You said that the special teams was their ultimate downfall for the game. And that's what people are talking about on Monday and Tuesday morning is that the special teams the ultimate downfall. Not that the MVP of the league only scored zero touchdowns throughout the entire game. Only the team with the MVP on it scored 10 points. I said that he had to score two. He probably only had to score one touchdown. And they win that game. I don't know. I've always gotten the impression that Aaron Rodgers hates losing. Not necessarily because it's a team losing, but it might just be him losing. <laughs> but I'm not, like, I think he cares. And I, I think the, like, taking the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes game, like, that was obviously a, a special game. They were, you know, like, scoring at will at the end, right? But I feel like Aaron Rodgers has done that before, too. And in the playoffs. I, like, I'm not necessarily on the boat that, uh, that they're more special, I guess, than he is, or more like they can more will their team to victory. We're still kind of talking about one game. One game that, that gets piled into a lot. A lot of other ones. Yeah. Does that who has Aaron Rodgers on their quarterback, Mount Rushmore, and who does not? I don't. I don't. Yeah. You don't. We get four, right? Yeah, yeah. you got four. Yeah. Brady, Manning, Montana. George Washington. Rogers. Uh, Elway? <laughs> Marino? Elway yeah. or Marino Mahomes. probably. Don't no, not not Mahomes. Marino. <laughs> Marino, didn't win, Marino didn't win a title. I don't think he can go on. Josh Allen. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Book in nine years. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Why Ian Book in five years? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially with a new coach, Sean Payton was holding him back. Yeah, right. Exactly. That you know, Ian Book, Kyle board. Trask. NFC Championship game will will it's closer mimic will mimic this the last Sunday's uh, AFC Championship game. Yeah, market. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on to quarterbacks who have a slightly less, I think, uh, um, allowance to want to be on the Super Bowl or on the QB Mount Rushmore. We're going to talk about some Russell Wilson. We saw Russell. Uh, I think he said this week that he was going to explore his options this offseason, or word came out that he's going to explore his options. Tension, obviously, has been building for a while. There was that kind of um, mm-hmm. trade request-ish that happened last offseason. Wyatt, starting with you, is Russell Wilson even a desirable option? You know, it's interesting that we're talking about Russell Wilson today because Sean Payton stepped stepped down from the Saints, and they were on his list as far as uh, teams that he wanted to get traded to. 
interesting to see how that's going to develop his list. But to answer the question, no. Russell Wilson, is, I'm not desiring Russell Wilson at all. Russell Wilson, if he were to retire today, would undoubtedly be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's played every game up uh, in the season up until this year. He missed three games. He has a career completion percentage of 65% and a touchdown interception ratio of 3.36 to 1. So 3 to 1. But despite being the league's self-appointed golden boy, his ego and agenda have never <laughs> been bigger since he signed that contract extension in 2019. That Seattle we have a deal video, it, it's a nightmare that I have every once every two weeks. <clears throat> He's a cornball. But the great Let Russ Cook campaign in 2020 was a buildup about three years of a run first Seattle attack. And they finally let him loose. And he was the leading MVP candidate through about f- the first eight games. But like this season, he crumbled in the second half. He wants to say he has he wants to say in player personnel. He wants to say in the offensive coordinator. He wants to say in what the game plan is going to be on a week-to-week basis. And during their one championship run eight years ago, they asked Wilson to throw 407 times in the year. Every year after the championship, the demand has increased more and more for Wilson, and they've gotten further and further away from that Super Bowl championship team. He's developed an ugly brand of hero ball. He's become incredibly obsessed with his own celebrity, and he's beaten around the bush for too long, in my opinion, on his desires to play elsewhere. I wouldn't want him on my team. Sure as hell, stay out of New York, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other people felt the same way. Oh my god! White's gonna put himself in the Lincoln Tunnel and just like exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> you mean New Jersey, Wyatt? Or are you talking about the Bills? You saying that he's a threat? Oh, yeah, 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 New Jersey. <laughs> Why, if the if the Seahawks won twelve games in the, again this year, though, would you be saying the same thing? Yes. Oh my goodness. Why? Okay. Why you're you're like super caught up in like Russell's image and like what he's putting out. Because he's media caught up stuff. in he's his a image. Great quarterback. He's Absolutely great in what aspect? Desirable. Okay, so sure, sure, his workload was smaller in the year when they won the Super Bowl, but he's gotten better. That's why his workload. That's why his workload is. Um, and he's fallen increasing. apart in the second half of every season so far since he's gotten better since he signed the hundred and forty million dollar contract. Okay, yeah, I mean, you can put that in on him that they they're not able to get as many pieces as he used to have. The Legion of Boom also disintegrated, you know. So, like Bart was saying, you can't you can't pin everything on him. I think in general, he's answered the bell. He's been a really like a good face of the franchise, and the only problem I have with him is just that his contract is too big for the Seahawks to really do anything. That's the only problem I have. But if I'm if I'm go ahead, Bart. I just wanted I just looked at the box scores again. This is like completely rudimentary football analysis. After his injury this year when he came back, he had a fifteen to three touchdown interception ratio, which seems to me quite solid. So I you probably watch more of their games than I do. Where are you coming from with this falling apart thing? But there are so many plays where you watch where you watch Russell Wilson and you're like, What the hell are you doing? (laughs) He takes us he takes an unwarranted sack where he sits in the pocket for too long. He loves to do the thing where he scrambles. I know he wants all the praise, but he plays hero ball. He plays hero ball on too many occasions for me when there's sometimes there is the right decision sitting in front of you. And if I'm a team, like, to think of the teams that he had on his list, and I I don't remember them off the top of my head. I know New Orleans was one. I believe Chicago was another one. And the New York Giants were a team with uh, a list on that. If Chicago or New York were to trade 
for Russell Wilson, they would be just as good as the Seahawks were this year because the price no. is too high. No, that's true. Is he no? Is is he a, a, a upgrade over Daniel Jones? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were about <laughs> to say that. I'm answering, I'm answering the question. Of course he is. But I mean, like I think the Giants have better pieces than the Seattle Seahawks. But if we're giving up two ones and giving them 140 million dollars, where they can't expand any further past what we have right now, we're not going to be a championship level team. Hmm. We'll see. The Chiefs are doing it with Mahomes' contract right now. But Ma- they already had. They already had yeah, their. But they already had their is so much better than Russell Wilson. Not so yeah. much. Yes, it's he not, is. It's not yeah. as big. If they were to put it in tiers, he's at least two tiers higher than Russell Wilson is. Two tiers? Oh my goodness! You're overreacting to this season. First off, where he's injured. Also, you're saying he's playing what hero ball because done he's for me lately. He's you're saying you're you're accusing him of playing hero hero ball because he has to. The Seahawks have the yeah. twenty no, according to TFS. He doesn't. He thinks he has to. Seattle Seahawks have the twenty fifth best O line. Yeah, they've not had a good O line. He had no virtually yeah. no running back for like. I'm half not the saying that like, Seattle like, is the perfect is, situation, DK, but. Pete Carroll deserves a lot of the blame for what happened in Seattle. I don't think that Pete Carroll should be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks going into the next year. I'm not going to deny that. But I think that there are plenty of occasions where Russ wants to, like, his brand is bigger than who he is as a football player right now, I think. I think that, like like I said to Bart, there are tons of plays where I watch him and I go, what the hell are you doing? Why are you trying to scramble? Why are you trying to extend this play? How come you're, you're not moving up in the pocket? What kind of throw are you trying to make? Like there, he may not necessarily get all of the interceptions uh, that you know other bad quarterbacks do, where they're so blatantly stupid. But I think that there are plenty of occasions where I can look at Russell Wilson and my and I'm scratching my head a little bit. For those who do see Russell Wilson as desirable, where should he go? <laughs> should he stay? The Tennessee he Titans. Huh. Actually, I mean, okay. So from from a from a team perspective, I think you make a hard run at him if you're basically any AFC team that has a playoff shot because there's no way you are going anywhere in the AFC with Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow. There's no way you're going anywhere Lamar. in the AFC if you don't have a top tier quarterback. Mayfield, Mayfield, exactly. <laughs> so I think if you're the Titans, you you make a run at him. The Steelers, we said in a previous episode, I think you make a run mm-hmm. at him as well. I think those are two good landing spots. But if I'm Russell, I probably would want to stay in the NFC where Rodgers and Brady are the, the cream of the crop and they they might retire this offseason. <laughs> Who knows? So, you know what I mean? I would want to stay in the NFC if I were uh, Russ. I didn't really think Eagles. it's only... Eagles, maybe? Eagles have been a frequently floated destination where they would give up something like two of their first-round picks this year, yeah. plus Hertz, plus maybe a second-rounder or something. Mm. Minshew. Yeah, <laughs> the bigger, the better asset than hurts. No, I think I think that would be a really good move because the yeah. Eagles. I mean, the problem, like we said with the Seahawks, is that they have an awful offensive line, and the Eagles have a very good offensive line and a really good running game to back up uh, Wilson, which is when he started the most. So I think that's like a very good fit. Um, and I think it would help the Eagles a lot as well. So I, I think if the Eagles have a chance to pull the trigger on that, I would do that. But we'll see. Do you think the Cowboys would listen to an offer, Russell Wilson no. for Dak? No. No, I think I think there's no reason to do that. Russell is not that much better than Dak and But he is better. I love Dak, better, but Russell's better. But also he's like a lot older. Like I, I just think like the yeah. the returns on that are like not worth it. 
Would you make that trade, Jared? One for one. Yeah. I would. I would not one for. I, I'm assuming they'd have to throw in some other stuff. Yeah. I would consider it. I don't know offense. Yeah, I don't know. I would consider it. Just because Dak, like Dak, I love Dak. He was not very good against like good teams this year, though. They, you know, they just they kind of beat yeah, up on the awesome. NFC East, and yeah. I'm just saying, look. If the Eagles want to trade for him, I think that that's a fine trade. If you have to trade two of their three first round picks, one of them is probably going to be like the 25th pick or whatever it might be. I don't actually know where their picks are. They're but the point, 16 and 19. Yeah. Yeah, like if I'm getting mid to late first round picks to trade for them, I would take the deal. But a lot of these teams that are on the list, if I'm the Giants, I'm not trading pick five and seven for Russell Wilson. That's too heavy. So I if 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 the price is a late first rounder or something like that, absolutely what I would make the trade. I just don't think you should. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think you should ever trade for an aging QB if you're not a like at least borderline contender yeah yeah exactly. it's just not a right. good decision yeah no offense to the giants but why does he want it but why but why does he want to go to chicago new york then yeah just because they're, they're for big his markets, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for his celebrity because they're big markets exactly yeah well tom brady wanted to go to tampa bay because the weather is nice so i'm you know and it worked out for him so <laughs> yeah. it's okay to have off, yeah, off the field. Yeah, we keep shooting Tom Brady into these conversations with the quarterbacks. Like, it's, it's not the same. <laughs> okay, moving into some NFL coaching talk. The the latter half of the podcast will be all about NFL coaches. There are a lot of vacancies. Um, one that's not a vacancy is the Bengals. The Bengals showed patience with Zach Taylor. Um, he was, I think, four... He was, I forget what his record was in the first two years, but okay, I'm going to restart. <laughs> I thought I knew <laughs> what, his, what his record was. And then I read David Coley's, uh, anyway, sorry. David. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, moving into some NFL coaching talk, that's going to be kind of the focus of the latter half of the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about some vacancies later, but one a spot that's not a vacancy is the Bengals head coaching slot. We got Zach Taylor in there. He went, uh, lost like six in his first or one six in his first two years. And since then, meaning this year, uh, he was very successful, made the playoffs there in the AFC championship right now. Obviously a lot of that's due to Joe Burrow. Um, but we saw the Bengals kind of reward Zach Taylor, um, for, Mm. you know, waiting it out and, uh, uh, making it stick a bit more than some other teams who ditch coaches after two years or so of a, a lack of success. Um, but anyway, so we saw Zach Taylor as a success story with the with the Bengals. We've also seen other teams like the the Texans fire David Coley after one year um, going four and thirteen. Jared, how much time do new coaches deserve, uh, and what should be taken into account when considering whether they should keep their job? Yeah, so I think there's different. I factor. I also did college too, but there's there's different factors for NFL and college. The NFL, the most important factor is is your quarterback good? Otherwise, you, otherwise you you are going to be criticized for it, but you really shouldn't. Like so, if you look, five of the top eight defenses this year in yards per game allowed missed the playoffs. You can't just coast on defense in the NFL anymore. Your your quarterback needs to be good, unless you're Kyle Shanahan basically, or Sean McVay. Like you need to have a, a pretty good quarterback. Like, that's why I think Matt Rule is being a little unfairly criticized under the pressure. Vic Fangio, yeah. you know, like, probably same same situation. 
He had a good defense, but like he, they just never gave him a good quarterback. So what are you supposed to do? Um, I think the second thing is, does the coach understand the strengths and weaknesses of the team they're given? That's one thing I think Nick Sirianni did really well, is he understood Jalen Hurts' strengths as a runner and weaknesses as a passer, and he brought them into playoffs when they really shouldn't have been there. So that was a pretty good coaching job there, right? I think probably the most important thing, though, is branding and like just your PR team and context and who your agent is. Like Dan Campbell's three-win season this year looks way better than Freddie, Freddie Kitchen's six-win season with the Browns, and he was fired after that. And part of that is like the branding that has kind of – like Dan Campbell's this like – Super likable guy. Like, some people kind of thought like he was like maybe a buffoon, but he actually like the team played hard, and that kind of just fell into the brand of like, yeah, he's a philosophy guy. They believe in him. Then Freddie Kitchens was kind of branded as like a little bumbling, like rambling, and doesn't really make good in-game decisions, things like that. And I think it's super important that you have a good agent, essentially, and you leak stuff that needs to be leaked. You keep stuff in house. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do. Like, they leak. They leak stuff when they want something to get out and they want to um, put pressure on somebody else and like defect blame. I think in college, the number one thing is if they're a good recruiter, just be patient with them. Like, look at Kirby Smart, 2021, like, so last year, 2021, fourth ranked, the year before that, first, second, first, third ranked programs. And if they've been with the program a lot, I think there's a good case to be made that you should give them even more slack, actually. Dabo Sweeney's my example for this. Like, it was not a linear path for him at all. He figured it out, though. He was known as a great recruiter, and that's why he got the job, and that's why, like, they kept him because he was doing a good job on the trail. And then Jim Harbaugh, an alum, a previous track record of success, and he know he like he knows the, the, the area and, like, the recruiting grounds. I think that's really important. So I try to come up with a framework. I think the rule of thumb is, like, two-year grace period, minus one, to like could explode if your branding is bad. Uh, minus one for a completely winless, winless season. Plus two years if you had a previous championship in the same level that you're coaching. So you're like guaranteed we'll get four years, I, I would say, yeah. if you've won a championship in that level. Only plus one if you won a championship in the other level of the sport, which I guess you never have a Super Bowl winning coach in the NFL that goes down to college. But yeah. <laughs> And then I think if you have no QB, you need to add a se- you need to add a season. Like what they did with Zach Taylor, he had no talent at quarterback, so they added a season. And that's pretty much it. That's that's like the framework I was wor- I was working off of. Thoughts. I actually kind of like the like, what's the word I'm thinking of? The fact that you like made it a numbers thing. I know there's like a <laughs> word that describes that. Um, Is it formula? Yeah, I mean, formula. Yeah, yeah, they made a formula for it. There we go. Um, yeah, and I think it's like generally correct too. I think like the championship definitely like gives you some leeway. But I mean, like you said, like so much of it just comes down to do you have a good quarterback or not? Like I think had the Bengals not drafted Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor would not be the head coach after this year because I just don't think that there would be the same level of sustained success that there would be. And so it's just like you kind of got to take what you have and just get in a position where, you, where you'll get a good quarterback eventually in the nfl and that's going to be the barometer of your success yeah. look at joe judge what jared we're not talking about joe judge right <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the quarterback Dable there's nothing you can do I, I think i think the point that you made about knowing your team's strengths and weaknesses is probably the most important point if you were to ask me there are plenty of other positions on the team outside of quarterback and we all know quarterbacks are super important but there are plenty of other positions outside of the quarterback that have to go well in order for you to win a game. 
And the thing, the the jury is out on Jalen Hurts right now. I think I like Jalen Hurts. Jared, I believe you sweeped him and keeper sweep a couple weeks ago. I did. But, I love Jalen Hurts, but I did sweep him. Yeah. But, you know, I think the thing that makes Nick Sirianni a really good coach or for the last year was that he maximized Jalen Hurts' talent for that year. And I think that he maximized, play calling-wise, the rest of the team's talent those other years. So it makes Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay such great coaches as well. And Arthur Smith with Cordell Patterson. It's like you just maximize the talent of the guys around you. Same with Mike Vrabel. You got a long list of coaches. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jim Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson those type of things. I think that that is incredibly important. And I think a lot of those times teams don't. And like Joe judge, he, he's supposed to be a big picture guy, never maximize Saquon Barkley or this year's Kadarius Tony, or literally any other piece that we've had <laughs> over the, the last like two years or so. So I think that that would be the most important part. And to speak on David Coley, incredibly unfair, I think, Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, he, absolutely. he, yeah. We, we we talk about Dan Campbell's like three win season and a tie. David Coley's also uh, exceeded expectations, you know, with going four and thirteen because I thought that they weren't going to win a single game uh, going into the year. I had them ranked as like the worst team in the NFL. I, I didn't believe in them at all, and I think to kind of find a spark in Davis Mills and sneak out a couple wins was good. Uh, he ultimately got fired because of the coaching picks that they have this year and that they might have a chance to land Brian Flores. There was a ceiling there with uh, Dave Coley. So, I mean, yeah, just I think that you got to maximize your talent around you. Yeah. No, I agree with Jared. I think your rule was that you get two years regardless. Was that part of it? Yeah. Yeah, unless uh, there's like a... a... A horrible like branding issue with with that yeah, person, basically. Yeah. Like Urban and Meyer. It seems like it seems like if you give up <laughs> earlier than that, yeah, without like a kind of catastrophic tenure like Urban Meyer had, um, that you mm-hmm. didn't really want the coach in the first place to some extent, which it appears is what the Texans' attitude towards Coley was. Um, yeah. Because yeah, um, in terms of any rational person, he did what he was supposed to do that year, mm-hmm. this year. So. Yeah, add minus one years for kicking a player on your team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> add minus one for any of the things Urban Meyer caught on video. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. grinding off the field. Your yeah. grinding needs to happen yeah. on the field. Yeah, yeah. between <laughs> lines. Anyways, finally heading into our, our last segment, we're going to talk about some of the open NFL head coach jobs, one of which is the Texans. Uh, we got a bunch of others, too. we got the Bears, Broncos, Dolphins, Giants, Jags, Raiders, Vikings, and Saints. Um, all have open slots. We're going to power rank them. That's one of our favorite things to do, as you've probably noticed. Um, from most desirable to least desirable uh, coaching spots. So we're going to start off with you, Bart. What is the most desirable NFL head coaching job, open head coaching job? Ah, uh, so it's actually funny that we talked about the formula thing a few minutes ago because I did the same thing. I will not lie to you. I made a spreadsheet. I tried to assign numbers to it because my first thought when I got this question was, it's got to be the Vikes. And then I was like, no, I'm being biased. <laughs> so I, I tried to be a little bit more objective. So my answer for the best opening is actually Denver, I think. Jared mentioned Denver. I think... You, you mentioned the quarterback thing, and I agree entirely that the quarterback is the single most important thing. But in, in my mind, as far as I can tell, that's basically their one and only weakness. So I think it's really enticing for a new coach because if you think you can fix that, you're basically set. 
Like their their skill positions are rock solid. Their O line is solid. Their defense was really good this year. They're set with cap space. Like they've got solid draft capital. Denver's like a solid location. A whole bunch of things I think are working in their favor. They just need to find their quarterback. If you can, you know, if you can somehow tool Teddy Bridgewater up or make the trade for Aaron Rodgers or what have you, I think that coach is going to be flying high in the near future. So I think they're a, they're my first choice. Mile high. A good day for puns. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Lucas, number two. All right, Bart, Bart alluded to them, and I think it's a, a fairly obvious second choice that you have to pick the Minnesota Vikings as the second most desirable. Really? Yeah, I, that's, I, that's I, interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of hot if you ask me. Go ahead. Really? Yeah, no, no, no. I think, I think they have the best offensive talent across the board of any team. Fair. Um, that has an, an opening. Kirk Cousins, we debate this all the time, but is an objectively top half quarterback. Top eight. There. Like, well, I don't know. That's not objective. That. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking objective things, he's objectively a top half quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback on any team that has an opening. Actually, I don't think probably. I think he is the best quarterback on any team that has agree. an opening at this point. Um, they have maybe yeah, the best running fun. back. That's up for between the Saints and the Vikings. Um, of any team with an opening in Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson is going to be a superstar like for years and years to come in the league of wide receiver. So like just the breadth of offensive talent and skill position players, um, I think makes the Vikings a super appealing job, especially because they underachieved on offense this year. Like because their defense was pretty good this year, their top half in yards per play allowed and in takeaway. So I think like if you got a good offensive minded coach in there, who could get the best out of Cousins, Cook, and Jefferson. I think that you would have a very, very successful playoff team. I think you know, a lot of their failures came down to Mike Zimmer not know, knowing what to do with the offense. So I think Vikings very, very appealing job. And I'll take him second. Yeah, I agree. I agree the Vikings. I had them uh, at three. I'm picking third, though. I'm going to pick my number one spot in the third spot, which is the Raiders for me. Mm, I know, Wyatt, you've had your, your issues with like their personnel decisions, but Gruden's gone. Uh, their GM is gone as well. It's like It's a clean slate. I think if you look at what Kyle Shanahan is able to do with um, Jimmy G, who what what offensive-minded coach can come in and do even like exponentially better with Derek Carr, in my opinion. I'm also a big Derek Carr fan. I think we saw kind of like what he could do. He played at an MVP level early in his career, and if they give him, I think, the right situation, they can do it. It's a, it's a free agent destination. Um, I, I would like... I would like the Raiders there. So that's my third pick. Oh, God, what a tough pick. Because I'm at jeopardy of forcing myself to pick a team that I really like later down the road. I'm actually going to, uh, you know, I'm going to do it. New York Giants number four for me, actually. No! Yes, absolutely. Oh, no. The Giants were literally last on my big Yeah, that's, they were too. No, there's no yeah. way. There's so many other teams that are far more, that are far worse compared to the New York Giants. Especially considering, one, I think that we have a couple of decent offensive pieces here kenny galladay Kadarius tony and saquon barkley are all pretty decent really good offensive pieces sterling shepherd is one of the better slot receivers in the league and our defense has a lot of really good pieces as well we have a, a number one corner we have a really young up-and-coming safety our linebacker core is weak but our d-line is also kind of growing with it dexter lawrence is a really good pick um aziz ajalari was a really good pick last year and i think that going into this year with pick five and seven they could really make some noise as far as the rest of the team goes. I think both of those picks need to be invested in the offensive line 
Uh, but, you know, you do that. Maybe you trade for a Jimmy G. You get another quarterback like that, and you put an offensive-minded coach in that in that uh, organization. They have a really good chance at least finishing second, if not winning the division, depending on which quarterback you bring in. So I would put them at four. Cap space is a little rough right now, but I think that the pieces that are on the team already are good enough for me to believe in. Lucas, did it change your mind? Move up a couple spots. Uh, I would have considered picking them at seven now when they have that pick. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, like Jared said with the Raiders, the coach is gone, the GM is gone. It's a clean slate. Literally, that they you two people are going in at the same time who believe in each other and have like a same mindset going forward. You know, this is the first time the Giants have done this in years. Fair five. enough. Yeah, at five, this is pretty tough, honestly. Yeah, it um, starts getting tougher. I, I, I'm going with the Jags. I think the Dolphins yeah. and Saints both have a, a good... Um, there's definitely an argument to be made for both of them, but I think the Dolphins, like the way they treated Flores, is kind of iffy. Um, and the Saints living up to Sean Payton's reputation is tough. Um, so as, as a coach, I think I would pick the Jags next. Um, Trevor Lawrence's rookie year was stink kind of on and off um we'll see how it goes forward you know we've seen you know peyton manning had a mad rookie year there are guys who have had mad rookie years who have emerged and i think it's possible that trevor lawrence will do that um and he's kind of an unquestionable qb pick for them going forward it's at least for next season it's not like that'll be a, a big whole decision and they've got the first overall pick um with you know aiden hutchinson or Thibodeau, like one of them um and a low bar, given that they'll be following her fire. <laughs> um, so I think rebuilds as a coach could be appealing, right? Like you're given the yeah. chance to kind of shape the team in your image. Um, you're given the chance to kind of start over and uh, start that foundation and whatnot. Um, and so I think the Jags, in terms of the teams that are like clearly rebuilding, which the Dolphins and Saints, um, and you know, a lot of the teams that we've already mentioned are not. Uh, I think that's could be appealing for someone to, to come in and really make it their kind of situation. I think the other rebuilds are going to be a bit tougher. The Giants, the Texans, the Bears, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quick question on the Jags. Do you think Jim Harbaugh is on their list, or they're just like, we're not messing with college coaches anymore. It's the NFL. <laughs> they they're need to have NFL experience. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I feel like Urban Meyer had red flags ahead of time. Yeah, he did. Uh, I also think, because you know, Harbaugh has had success in the NFL. That's true. Like, yeah. I think that He's that's, literally made a Super Bowl. Yeah, like that, that's a huge yeah. factor. Yeah. Um, so if I were the Jags, I would definitely be going after Jim Harbaugh, uh, but that would not be, I would not be alone in that, I'm sure, um, in terms of teams. Uh, so anyway, Bart, sixth pick? Yeah, as we said, it's getting tough. I think, I think I'm going to roll with the Saints, the recently opened position. Um, it is kind of funny because Sean Payton is clearly bouncing at the most opportune time for him. He's not leaving them in a super great spot. But I still think it's, it's fine. So, like, I don't know. I mean, it's it kind of like what Lucas was saying about the Vikes. They have a lot of talent on offense. Obviously, Kamara is one of the better running backs in the league. Michael Thomas, that whole situation is a little bit weird. We don't really know what will happen. But if they can manage to keep him, that's also a huge boon. Their offensive line is probably the best of these openings. Um, their defense, I didn't realize this, their defense was first in EPA this year. So their defense is really good. So that's, like, a huge boon. The one thing that's killer for the Saints is their cap space. They are dead last in the league, I think, in cap space right now at like negative 70 million. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. So cool. if you want to build with this team, you're going to have to do it through the draft. Fortunately, they have a decent amount of capital, I think. And uh, 
yeah, New Orleans is like a cool location. I would prefer New Orleans over Minneapolis or Chicago, for instance, because it's not cold. <laughs> that might play a factor. So I, yeah, There's I don't know what the, I don't know what to say. That you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I think one question is how much expectation there will be in this position because the Saints recently were so successful. But I would like to think that people will realize that they need to find a new quarterback and it'll take a little bit of time. So I think the Saints here are a fine choice. I think that's fair. Agree. Lucas? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go the Dolphins with the next one. Mm. I think our, our remaining options are not great, but I think Miami is still a relatively appealing place for Coach to go. Their defense is pretty good. They're top 10 in takeaways, top half in yards per play last year. In addition to that, they've just got like a lot of really good talent there. They've got Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Drum Baker, etc. And... Another point in their favor is they have the most cap space of any team with a uh, head coaching uh, vacancy this year. They have about $70 million to spend, so like almost the complete opposite of the Saints. Which the Saints are $70 million in debt, uh, or $70 million over the Dolphins are $70 million over. I think the jury's still out on Tua, but he's... Very much. Like, so. he, very much. But he could... There's still, I think, the least potential there uh, for it to go well. And I think it's like a good opportunity to work with the sort of an up and coming quarterback, Dan Fu of Tua. Um, in addition to that, they showed real signs of life at the end of this year. They like what was it? Had a seven game win streak, almost had like came vaguely close to making the playoffs at the end. Um, and I realized they were beating up on a bunch of bad teams, but at least they're better than a lot of the bad teams out there. I think is what that shows. Again, it's not a super desirable option. I think they did not show great faith in a good coach in Brian Flores, and I don't think that's necessarily encouraging. Two is far from a slam dunk, so I think that could be worrying as well. But the Dolphins have great uniforms. It's in Miami. Miami is a super, like, great uniforms. Miami is a super, like, appealing location to live. I think they like for most coaches. So even though there's, like, probably have less assurances that you'll be there for a while, I think there's enough there to attract you over the Bears' job or over the Texans' job. Certainly. The Dolphins is, is, I feel like, very similar to the Texans job in that it's like a pretty weird front office that you can't really trust. Yeah. They could have drafted Herbert. They gave you Tua. You go and win 10 games with him. You go on a seven-game win streak the next year, and then they fire you. Like, what? I would not. I don't know. Yeah. That's like, that's pretty sketchy. But yeah, Brian yeah. Flores probably kind of got like a, a gift, maybe a blessing <laughs> in disguise potentially there. Anyway, uh, I have the eighth pick. It's, it's between the Bears and Texans, and you, you definitely have to go Bears on this one. I, I think you have to go Bears on this one because you don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Even if he can play again, he probably wants to leave unless you you bring in some coach that really that Deshaun Watson really loves or something. But I, I feel like Justin Fields is kind of viewed as like damaged goods right now, but he's a rookie, and you know, and you, you, have, bad, you have a bad season as a rookie. Chicago is still, again, like a big market free agent destination. I think I didn't write that many notes for the Bears actually because I didn't think they would fall to me, but I I think um, the Bears are certainly more desirable than the Texans mm-hmm. with how sketchy their front office is. So Bears for me. And then why talk about the Texans? Uh, yeah, the Texans here. Um, I actually had the Dolphins as my my lowest ranked team because okay. of you're going into a team that has that's pretty set on a quarterback that you don't get to pick, and they just fired the coach who had two above expectation seasons in my opinion. Um, but I agree with everything you said about the Texans. I think that it's a little fishy with Jack Easterby and all of that. And I don't, they don't have much talent that is currently on the team. The bright side that with the Texans is that Davis Mills 
played way above expectations to the point where you don't have to push for a quarterback with a number three overall pick this year. They don't have to try to draft Kenny Pickett number three. They can sit and wait on it. They can add more talent to this roster and they can kind of let it go forward from there. But I definitely agree. They fired David Coley, who exceeded expectations after one year. Um, Jack Easterby is like this weird figure that exists in the, the Texans front office. I would kind of feel like kind of always watching my back if I were uh, the coach of the Houston Texans. But, mm-hmm. you know, just they're, they're definitely interesting. <laughs> Bill O'Brien's on the market, I think. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just don't give him the GM role. <laughs> all right well with that i think we're going to wrap up for the show thank you as always for listening make sure you're checking us out on all our social media on instagram on twitter we got some great content over there as always make sure to subscribe to the podcast rate us five stars we would love it we appreciate it we'll see you next week